Good morning. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the second benediction in the New Testament. Back in the summer uh, on Father's Day, I started a little series on the benedictions of the New Testament. And back on Father's Day, we looked at Romans 15, verses 5 and 6, which says this, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement, literally the God of perseverance and encouragement, grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And way back on Father's Day, I told you what benedictions are. Benediction comes from a Latin word that means to speak well of. It's a good word. It's a blessing word, a word of blessing. And remember, we shouldn't confuse benedictions with doxologies. Doxology comes from the Greek and means glory word. It's a glorious saying about God or to God. The difference between a benediction and a doxology is that a benediction is spoken to men while the doxology is spoken to God. And so a doxology sounds something like this. This is the doxology from the book of Romans. It's long, but you'll hear the doxology in it, the glory word. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ... According to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to, all the, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to the obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. So that's a doxology, the glory word from the book of Romans, to God be the glory forever. But a benediction, a blessing word, is directed to men. I told you last time that benedictions usually have a particular form. They sound almost like a prayer, but they aren't quite prayers. Benedictions are not addressed to God like prayers are. Prayers are addressed to God, benedictions are addressed to men. They aren't prayers, but they sound almost like holy wishes. Now, may God... May God bless you. I really wish and I hope that God will bless you. But that doesn't quite get at it either because benedictions are more than holy wishes. They are also exhortations. They carry the weight of expectation and exhortation. They almost have the weight of command. And so I'll I'll tell you this up front. We are responsible for these benedictions. You are responsible for this benediction in Romans 15, 13. You're responsible for it. There's weight to this. So in other words, whenever you hear this benediction, whenever you receive it, as the pastors say when they stand up 
and say, now receive this benediction. When you receive it, you are responsible to pursue its blessing. When the pastor says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not allowed to blow that off or yawn it off or brush it off or ignore it as a nice little formal embellishment that comes at the end of the service but doesn't really mean anything. It means a lot. You're expected to hear these words to receive them, and to walk out of here filled with all joy and peace and faith and hope. That's what benedictions are for. So let's look at these words very carefully. Romans 15, 13. Look very carefully at these words. These words are rich and heavy and thick. They are Boiled down, benedictions are boiled down and concentrated and condensed. They're rich, sweet, thick, heavy goodness. Like that fudge you just made. You can only just take a little bite of it. It's so rich. So listen carefully, chew thoroughly, slow down and savor these words. Now may the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you. Fill you. Yeah, it really says fill you. With what? All. All. Don't go past all quite yet. All joy and peace in believing so that you will, what? Abound. Abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope. Brothers and sisters, just sit there for a while and let those words sink in. The God of hope. What an amazing thing to say. What an amazing name for God. How wonderful is it to know and serve this God, the God of hope. Not the God of pessimism. Not the God of cynicism. Not the God of discouragement. Not the God of despair, but the God of hope. He is the God who invented hope. He rules over it. He creates it. He commands it. And he gives it. So what is it? What is hope? Hope is made up of two things. Desire and expectation. You want something, right? And you expect to get it. That's what hope is made up of. Desire and expectation. You want something, you expect it to come. Hope is the opposite of fear. When you're filled with fear, you're filled with disgust and expectation. You're filled with hatred and expectation. There's something that you don't want, and you don't want it really bad. You, you, you hate it, but you expect that it's coming. 
fear. Hope is also the opposite of despair. Think about what despair is. Despair wants something. It wants something good, but has no expectation that it will come. Despair. There are a lot of Christians who live in despair and not hope. Because you want God's blessings. You have the desire for them. You want his assurance of forgiveness, the feeling of his presence with you, his power to fight your sin. You want all of those things, but you have no expectation that he'll give them to you. And so you live in despair. But we serve the God of hope. And the hope of a Christian is the longing expectation for all the good things that God has promised. The longing expectation for all the good things that God has promised. And God has promised a whole awful lot. What, is, what does Peter call the promises of God? Second Peter 1, precious and magnificent promises. Like what? Well, I'm glad you asked. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Or Isaiah 43, 2 and 3, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. Nor will the flame burn you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Precious and magnificent promises. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted 
beyond what you're able to bear. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you'll be able to endure it. I mean, we could go on and on and on with precious and magnificent promises, with the precious and magnificent promises of God. And these aren't hallmark cards. These aren't empty, little, trite, little, sugary, little, sentimentalized sayings engraved onto precious moments figurines. These are the promises of God. And I know that some of you can't hear them. You cannot hear them. And you're somehow convinced that this proves your superior godliness. You think, yes, but you're reading all the good promises. Why aren't you reading any of the bad promises? You know, like promises of judgment and wrath and misery and hell. Why aren't you reading those promises? Because it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Can't you humble yourself to be glad at least at Christmas? Can't you let these precious and magnificent promises fill you with hope at least for a little while at Christmas? The hope of a Christian is the longing expectation for all the good things that God has promised. And God is the God of hope. Now may the God of hope, may the God of hope what? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. This is what the God of hope does. He fills his people with joy and peace, with all joy and peace. Don't you want that? If you do want it, do you expect God to do it? I mean, do you really fully expect God to do this? To fill you with all joy and peace? Well, how does the filling come? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How? In believing. There can be no joy or peace apart from faith. Unbelief always leads to despair. Even if you want the, the blessings of God, you don't believe he'll give them to you, and that is the definition of despair. If you're filled with gloominess and unrest instead of joy and peace, it's because there is no faith. But faith in what? Belief in what? This is not an exhortation to good feelings and good wishes and general optimism about, you know, the, the goodness of mankind, the kind of stuff we hear at the end of Christmas specials. This is an exhortation to faith. Faith in the character and promises and word of God. Not faith in the cosmic reality that everything will just work out in the end somehow, but faith in the bedrock certainty that, of God's character and God's promise and God's oath. 
Hebrews 6, 16 to 20. Listen to these words and listen to the kind of character that God has and the kind of hope that you can have. Hebrews 6, 16. For men swear by one greater than themselves. And with them, an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. It's heavy. It's solid, an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You have every reason in the world to rest your all on God. It is impossible for God to lie. He has made an oath as if simply his word wasn't enough. His word. And then an oath on top of that. He has made a promise and sealed it with an oath so that you would have strong hope. So why do you still refuse to trust him? Are you wiser than him? Stronger than him? Better than him? He will fill you with all joy and peace only if you believe. So, believe. Trust him. Cast yourself on him. Why? What is the point of having the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing? The benediction tells us the point. This is what we should all walk away with when we walk out of here, when our pastors pronounce this word of blessing over us. Here's the point. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Here it is. So that. So here's the point. So that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see this? The point of your faith is joy and peace. And the point of your joy and peace is hope. Abounding in hope. Not just a little bit of hope, abounding in hope. And brothers and sisters, this hope is not an option. You and I are not allowed to be hopeless. You're not allowed to be hopeless. Hope is almost of the essence of being a Christian. If you have no hope in God, how can you be a Christian? Psalm thirty-three, eighteen: Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness. Psalm 42, 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Psalm 130, verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. 
Psalm 131.3, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Psalm 146.5, how blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. This is what it means. The blessings of God come to those who hope in him. But it's not easy. In fact, Hebrews 6, 11, and 12 says this, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. What do you think of when you think of diligence? Easy? Work? Okay. We desire that each of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is not easy. It requires diligence. It's not easy, but it's absolutely essential. Now, what does all this have to do with Christmas? Well, I mean, come on. It's like falling off a log to, compare it to, to show you what this has to do with Christmas. Remember the words we read just a few minutes ago in, in the uh, Advent liturgy from Luke 2. Luke 2, 8 to 14. Look at this again. Yeah. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Joy and peace. May the God of hope fill you with all, what? Joy and peace. The hope of Israel is coming. As a matter of fact, the passage itself connects this benediction with Christmas. So look back at Romans 15, but up at verse 7. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also has accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written, therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing to your name. Again he says, rejoice O Gentiles with his people and again praise the Lord all you Gentiles and let all the peoples praise him. Again Isaiah says, there shall come the root of Jesse And he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The root of Jesse, the light of the Gentiles has come. In him shall the Gentiles hope. And so, now that he has come, now that he has arisen with healing in his wings, now... May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is 
good news of great joy. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. Among men with whom he is pleased. So will you come to him? Will you believe in him? Will you hope in him? Now I want to close with this. Some of you, some of you actually glory in your moroseness. You glory in your gloominess, in your depressiveness. You glory in your cantankerousness. You glory in your shame. You think that gloominess equals godliness. Now, where did you get that idea? From, from the Bible? From Romans 15, 13? From Luke 2? From the Psalms? Help me out here. Where did you get the idea that gloominess equals godliness? You say, well, this is a dark world and a dark time. Sin is everywhere. Death is everywhere. How can I have joy and peace and hope? You say, I'm a godly man. I'm a serious man. I'm a humble man. Therefore, I'm a gloomy man. You say, now, I've literally heard some of you say this. You've said, happiness is superficial. I don't want to have happiness. I don't have happiness. I have joy. (laughs) See? Joy. I have joy. Can't you see it? And then you claim to worship and serve the God of hope. A God of hope. You say, that's just my personality. I'm melancholy by nature. And so, God is the God of a certain personality type? Really? He's the God of naturally hopeful people? No. He's the God of hope. And so, like I said at the beginning, you are responsible for this benediction. Whenever you hear this benediction, whenever you receive it from the pastors, you are responsible to pursue its blessing. When the pastor says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are not allowed to tune those words out. You are not allowed to blow it off. You are expected to hear those words and walk out of here filled with all joy and peace and faith and hope. You're at least expected to work to be diligent, to pursue these blessings. 
You're not allowed to ignore the benedictions of God. God is exhorting you. He is calling you to faith and hope and peace and joy. And I know that there are many among us who fancy themselves above all of that. But you're not allowed to do that. The apostle wants us to feel the weight of expectation and exhortation in these words, so hear them, receive them. Receive the blessing word of God and walk in it. Let's pray. Dear God, you are filled with goodness, filled with might, filled with power. You are able to produce all of these things in us. You are able and willing to keep all of your promises to us. And so I pray for us, Lord, as a people, as a congregation. Give us grace, Lord, to be filled with all joy and peace in believing so that we would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are the God of hope. I pray for those here, Lord, who have never cast themselves on you. Oh God, give them grace to do it. We pray in Christ's name, amen.